Welcome to You Gotta Love It, the show where you tell us and the rest of the world the things that you love that we might have missed, the show where you come to discover the best things you never knew existed, and the show where you force us to sit through the worst entertainment you can find and say, well, you gotta love it. My name is Koji. I am a part-time guitar player, and uh, I don't know. I'm not a full-time uh, origami creator, so that doesn't doesn't really work. I'm a full-time Japanese person, or at least half. half <laughs> a full-time half-time <laughs> Japanese person. Yeah. All that. Yeah. Oh, hey Kiba, not to be confused with Kubo. Just bides her time until the moment <laughs> we start recording. Every time. Without fail. Remarkably quiet for the last hour or so, <laughs> 45 minutes that I've been here. Getting all riled up. with something going on in the back there? Yeah, probably a raccoon. Hey, speaking of raccoons, before we get into it, do you watch Planet Earth 2? No, I haven't caught up. So there was a Cities episode. A Cities episode, yeah. Was it about Toronto? That leaked early. And uh, Kiba, they talk about raccoons. And they use Toronto as the example. Like they film around Toronto. The oh, raccoons. that's sweet. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. I thought you'd appreciate that because it, it's kind of like a Toronto global thing. Yeah. I don't think people... Uh, if you're... I don't, if you're a listener, if you're listening and you're not from Toronto or you have not experienced Toronto, the Toronto raccoon epidemic, I think it's easy. I mean, and maybe you've seen this episode, but it might be easy to underestimate how crazy. (laughs) (laughs) As if to highlight exactly what we're talking about. How crazy it is. Like there's, remember we were at that barbecue at Daryl's? In the, the summer, yeah, yeah. Do you remember that? And there was like the huge mother raccoon and the babies, like fifteen feet from us, just in the tree, just having a daytime snooze. They're oh. literally everywhere. Everybody I know has a story of going out and opening, you know, lifting the lid off their garbage or recycling bin, and there's a fucking raccoon in the bin that scares oh. the shit out of them. There's a family of <clears throat> raccoons that lives in a, uh, like a couple of houses down in their backyard. Like in a, in a broken down shed And they're big raccoons too. Yeah. Like when I was in Hong Kong around this time last year, we went to the zoo uh, or the, I can't even remember what it's called. The, you know, the gardens, there's gardens there uh, where they have a couple animals enclosures and they had a raccoon. And I was like, whoa, that's super weird seeing an animal that I see roam free. Uh, and to be honest, chase me sometimes. Mm-hmm. from getting too close to its garbage on almost a daily basis back home, be in captivity here and have people like taking photos of it. But I guess it's the same with anything. It would be like, I don't know. I don't know what a comparison would be. Maybe kangaroos. I don't know if kangaroos are that prolific in actual urban communities in Australia. But anyway, moving right along. So what, uh, what do we got on the docket today? Also oh, with me, right? as always. <laughs> This is, other guy talking. Is my good friend and raccoon enthusiast, <laughs> Andrew Patterson. What do we have going on? Well, this week, we're looking at the hidden gem, Kubo and the Two Strings, right? That's what it's called? Yeah. Although, very rarely, if ever, are there only two strings, so I don't know. But isn't that the, that's that style of instrument, isn't it? Is it? The, 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 but doesn't he have three strings on that bad boy? Yeah. Oh, well, the two strings thing is about the fucking... Anyway, yeah, no, moving I, on. I know. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, the, the you gotta love it for the week is the six-string samurai. So we kind of add a couple strings there and see how that works out. Yeah. There's a four-string differential between the two films that we selected for this podcast. Correct. Uh, Much like the score of the Raptors game last night. Oh, yeah? Four-point differential broke my heart. Anyway, moving right along. Uh, it's... Oddly enough, both movies about samurai. Kind, well, yeah. <laughs> Starting- There's a major distinguishing characteristic between these two movies, more so than in any other episode, I feel, personally. Uh, starting with Kubo and the Two Strings. This is a stop-motion animation film, which is phenomenally beautiful. By Laika. What? By Laika is the... Is the 
production oh, yeah. house. Okay. Uh, who did Coraline. And, uh, of course, <clears throat> pardon me, um, Paranorman, if right. I'm not mistaken. But, like... Box Trolls also? This is just some next level <laughs> shit, though. Oh, it's like unbelievable. Beyond. Easily the best stop motion. To, <clears throat> I would I would even... Because, full disclosure, I'm, I'm not a super big stop motion fan. There's a lot of stop motion movies that people love. They absolutely fucking love them. Nightmare Before Christmas is the one that jumps to mind. Yeah. Uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox is another one that a lot of people love for, you know, it's twee, ridiculous. But, I, you know, I appreciated them as films. I enjoyed them all. Uh, the Wallace and Gromit, you know, Ardman stuff, the Wallace and Gromit series, Chicken Run, all that kind of stuff. Right. But it's always kind of been far from my favorite. I think I can appreciate all the work that goes into it, but most of the time I just kind of think if it's not going to be 2D animation, why don't they just make it 3D animation? Mm -hmm. Um, And there are a number of reasons for that, I know, and, you know, it's just not really my thing. But this fucking movie, I would put up there with any animated movie. It Like, it was just unbelievable. Visually stunning. Oh, it's fantastic. It's, 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 it's got to win some shit, man. Like it's this movie needs more recognition. Hence, why it's a hidden gem on this episode. Um, but yeah, I can barely even put into words how much I enjoyed it. It, I mean, I'm not an animation guy by any stretch of the imagination, but there's just some shit that went on in this film, and I'm just like so many tiny details mm-hmm. that in my head. I was like, how is this possible? This must have taken an army of people a lifetime to make. Did you see the credit scene? It doesn't spoil the movie, but the credit scene where they're like rigging that set. It's like showing, it's like a time lapse of them preparing the scene where they fight the skeleton. No. And they animate the live action. They animate stop motion into the live action. What? So during the credits of the movie, uh, it's to kind of give you... Um, <clears throat> a, a peek into the process. Yeah, it's like a it's like a couple guys, you know, in a soundstage on one of the sets. The sets. I think the other thing is like, I think people still stop motion is you know traditionally done. The characters are small, and you think of them as small because in old, a lot of old stop motion stuff, you could almost tell that the characters. Right. But I think as small as they are, a lot of times it's not as small as you think is kind of what I'm getting at. Like the sets are quite large, you know, yeah, yeah. And like people need to be able to move within them. The characters are not like right. six inch toys. Like they're quite, when I the, saw, I think it was maybe the making of paranorman or whatever. One of the newer stop motion anima- animation movies was, I always thought in my head, they were like GI Joe sized. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I mean, when I say GI Joe, I mean like, uh, you know, the modern GI Joe, not like the big kind of doll, like GI Joe. Sure. Like a six inch or a smaller figure. Yeah, with just like Five a inches. little opposable whatever. Yeah. But like they're they're like maybe the size of a human torso. Yeah, they're very big. Uh, and, and, you know, for specific shots, they might even have isolated parts of them. Like mm-hmm. just the torso with the... In any case, <clears throat> there's a scene where they're fighting a giant skeleton, uh, which appears to be very giant in the shots. Yeah. And when and that's the shot they use in the credits where it's showing again a time lapse. So it's these guys moving around, setting it all up, positioning the lighting, and it's huge. The skeleton is like the guy sitting at a table, and the skeleton is like like looming, oh, looming cool. over him. And then at the end of the scene, one of the guys leaves, and the other guy's still working there, and it's like still in time lapse. And then it goes into slow motion, and while he's sitting there tweaking something right the skeleton's eyes light up and it like turns towards him and then these curtains close and you're just like fuck like how did they do that i don't know every step of the way i was just like holy shit anyway um it's great uh, so you've seen this movie much more recently than i have i assume yeah maybe you could uh give a quick so synopsis yeah it's about this uh kid and his mother who are running away from somebody. You don't really know who at first. And the mother, while uh, escaping with the child, or just as they've escaped, hits her head on a rock and kind of has some mental issues after that. And the kid is forced to take care of the mother. And all the kid knows is they're hiding from somebody. And the mom says, never 
be home past sunset. And like any other good movie, Gremlins or what have you, as soon as one of those rules is introduced, it has to be broken, and that's the impetus for the movie. You come to find out that the mom is, what, like a god maybe? Or just something along those lines. One of three sisters. Yeah, some sort of mythical creature. Yeah. And uh, who fell in love with a human samurai. Uh, who she was sent to kill. Yes. Fathered this child or mothered this child. Yeah. Uh, bore, bore the child. <laughs> and uh, before the mother and child could escape, the evil sisters and grandfather stole one of his eyes. And that's basically where the movie starts. Yeah. And that's all you really need to know. Uh <clears throat> I really liked it. There's a music. There's a lot of uh, origami, which is cool. He's got like an interesting power, and it's kind of got like a Zelda thing going on where he's he's like sent to an area to collect like parts of his armor to like become the ultimate whatever. It's like a Metroid even or what you know. Yeah, sure. Whatever. So I, I kind of like that. It was very much a uh, Wizard of Oz type thing, groove to it as well. Starring, uh, was it Charlize Theron as the monkey? <laughs> Slash his mom. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta love it. Yeah. Hashtag you gotta love it. Or, I uh, mean, it's kind of a spoiler, but they, they like give it away pretty early on. And then uh, the bug, the bug man Matthew is, McConaughey. is Matthew McConaughey. And I called that one too. I mean, it's pretty obvious right from the get go what's, what's happening here. But I suppose so. In you, any case, you didn't think so. I mean, I'll be honest. Maybe I was just enjoying the movie so much. Maybe either I'm stupid, or I was enjoying the movie so much that I was really just coping with it one step at a time. But I mean, I figured out the full thing when one of the two was revealed. But for the most part, I was kind of like, oh, oh, I just immediately was like, oh, that's this and this is this. No, I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't there with you. Oh. But I'm, again, it might, it might be the setting because I was watching it at home, discussing it with my girlfriend at the time. So it's not like in a movie where you're silent and you, you're you not bouncing ideas off people. You're just and you're not even allowed to talk because for me, especially hearing my thoughts out loud is really kind of. Yeah, I just thought that they were I thought that it was going to be more of a Lion King type story where like his parents had been killed and like because you see the little monkey idol, right? Like that sort of so it just right. I didn't make the logical connection that like that was even possible. Even though there's magic, it was just like, okay, <clears throat> she set this up to be a guardian if she was ever something happened to her, you know yeah. what I mean, not Yeah, yeah what yeah. actually happened and the same with the I thought the bug was just like a quirky character he met along the way that had a story, but it wasn't like super important. It was just sort of like, uh, this is what he was doing. Well, and also the way he's introduced as I'll, being one of the protectors. I was like, Oh, okay, cool. I'll, I'll be honest. And we're, I mean, we're famous for spoilers at this point. It doesn't really matter. But as soon as that, the, the lantern light didn't light in the beginning of the movie, I was like, See, I didn't even pick up on that. Oh, I was like, Oh yeah. I mean, they're, they're obviously still out there, you know? Anyway, very clever. Uh, Very clever, Koji. A- anyway, anyway, uh, one thing I didn't like about this movie, there's a lot of things that I liked about it. I, I thought it was overwhelmingly positive, the movie, but I'm so used to watching animated films and there being, you know, like you, you look at a movie like Inside Out or Up or Zootopia, and there's an overarching sort of like takeaway. You know, it's it's more than just an interesting story. story. There's like social commentary. Mm-hmm. And the entire time I was like, I wonder what they're trying to say here. But it's just like, no, that's a cool story. Yeah. And it's not really a knock against the film so no. much as like... Yeah, I, I seem to recall... I mean, again, it's not really like a hot button topic necessarily, but it that seemed to have a lot to do with... Uh, I mean, maybe at the very end, sort of family and community because of like the, right. you know, the older gentleman, you know, like all that kind of stuff. But well, I, I think it's just like everyone deserves a second chance, maybe. Or like also uh, the part where he meets the moon guy, like his grandfather or whatever yeah. in that one dream. I was like, oh, he seems like such a nice guy. Right. Seems like a wise old. And like it really took a turn. Was that, was, was that James Woods? I don't know. 
But that, but that part, I was like, oh shit! I it took me a second to realize that this was actually the bad guy because he was so convincingly like, hey, what's going on, bud? Like, how you doing? Yeah. And I was just like, oh, cool! Like the a wise old spirit to guide his way. And then it was kind of like it dawned on me. I was like, wait a minute, don't uh, it's it's Ralph Fiennes. Don't anyway. don't trust that guy. Yeah, Kubo, don't trust him. It's a trap. Um, yeah, it was fantastic. Uh, fuck, so good. I can't even really like remember. Like, I mean, it, it's it's very much he. Uh, you know, does something he's not supposed to do. It kind of gets him out of his comfort zone and he starts to get chased. And the idea is that he needs to collect these uh, pieces of armor to fend off the Moon King, which is his grandfather, from stealing his other eye. And really, like, very much like Wizard of Oz, that's what happens, you know? So, like, he goes after the first piece. There's a uh, a bit of a... a of Giant a skeleton. Conflict, <laughs> right? And then the second piece, there's a bit more of a conflict. And then, you know, the third piece. Yeah. Uh, but like, I think um, it's just so, such a, it's not a short movie. Uh, you know what I mean? Like the, the effort and the creativity, right. like the sheer, it's mind boggling. And, you know, I think that if you have not seen this movie and maybe you're not like super, you know, you haven't watched a lot of makings of, or you don't really know that much about how much work goes into most animated films. Mm -hmm. Appreciating that going into this movie makes this movie maybe not better because you can obviously enjoy the hell out of it without having a clue about any of that stuff. But like it really just, I was just awestruck for most of it. Like the part on the water and then when he like, they go down underwater. Like, well, I was just like, what? It's just insane. And it's not like it's a 60 minute movie. It was the, uh, the scene where he's it's right in the beginning where he's telling the story with the with the paper mm-hmm. so he he, the, he has the ability to play in i guess the equivalent of a japanese guitar and it uh uses magic to like i don't know fold paper animate, and animate like things. animates yeah origami and just watching the paper fly around and create all these items and fight each other and stuff i was just like wow this is so crazy but i mean knowing that it's stop motion definitely adds to the enjoyment of the film and the character's expression the character design like it was right. just amazing like they all like pretty much there's so many characters in this movie that i would love to have like a really nice <clears throat> 12 inch final figure of right and the other thing is that I, th- I would imagine probably a lot of it with the uh, sort of advent of 3D printing. Mm-hmm. Again, I haven't watched a making up, but I would assume that that has maybe not necessarily made things easier, but the capabilities, like we're kind of seeing the result of it must technology. It faster anyway. Technology, yeah, leaps and bounds. And just you could do more stuff with it, right. maybe, you know, like you can... Get more intricate objects. and Yeah, and more people. You don't have to have one person or a handful of people that are amazing at actually like... Uh, fab- fabrica- fabricating and like carving and like shaping something. You could have a bunch of people who are efficient at mo- 3D modeling, right? Creating all the 3D models. You could make slight adjustments and then print it off. Anyway, the hair. Fuck. There's so much like crazy shit. It was I bet just this amazing. is this is is would be a good DVD or well, Blu-ray or whatever you want to like uh, because there's probably a lot of sweet extras that to see. You know that aren't the main movie. I mean, the the movie is is good, but like, it, I think we just keep going back to the fact that like as a technical feat, you're just like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty sweet. It's so crazy. Um, but yeah, so it's great. Speaking of crazy, mm. uh, let's discuss the film Six String Samurai. <laughs> This is a you gotta love it for the ages here. Uh, Can you before we even do anything? I just want you to explain to me. <laughs> let me just let me just pull it up here. <clears throat> I said, uh, <clears throat> I believe the conversation went something to this. No, not I believe. This is the conversation. I asked, "Did you watch the movies?" And you said, uh, I haven't watched Six String yet. And I said, well, Godspeed, I think we have a new champ. Meaning this took the cake for me as one that I just really struggled with. Yeah, uh, I know. I could tell. And then and then, a couple messages later, you know, later in the afternoon, I assume after you watched the movie, you just offhand said, also, great movie. 
Now, I assume that at least 50% of that is a, is a little bit of good-natured trolling, but if any part of you actually legitimately found something to love about this movie that you thought was great, I want to hear it now before... Because I'm not going to have a lot to contribute. I'm going to be real. Okay, well, before we get into that, let's just talk about the movie. The movie is about a post-apocalyptic world in which World War Three with Russia has turned... Uh, the United States and I assume the rest of the world into a nuclear wasteland. We're talking like a Mad 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 Mad, mad Max esque, you know, like Fury Road type. Except world. for some reason, there's still fields of plentiful wheat, bountiful, bountiful resources there. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the radiation isn't everywhere, I guess. But okay, uh, hold on. Would you knock it off? Um. <laughs> So there's a there's a apparently in this world uh, one of the meccas of the United States is now Las Vegas, now now referred to as Lost Vegas, which I guess kind of makes sense because it it's was, already in the middle of a wasteland. <laughs> like it was a desert, so like it would probably know how to survive the best. Anyway, sure. Uh, this war took place in like the fifties. Also, it looks like the Emerald City. But, yeah, but bronzy gold so uh apparently after the war they elected um elvis elvis presley their king they elected the king the king as the king yeah and he as maybe a, he took it by force that would have been a good movie there you go oh yeah Ooh, backstory yeah. hbo make that um a, as the movie starts you come to find out that Elvis has now died and someone else has to be crowned king. I don't know if you followed that bit. I did, but uh, go on. And so we, the movie opens, you're following this Buddy Holly-esque guy who... Looks kind of like Guy Pierce. Yeah, who's supposed to be, I guess, Buddy Holly um, or a big fan of Buddy Holly or whatever, carrying around this guitar slash, slash samurai sword sheath. Um, yeah, <laughs> and he is roaming the wasteland trying to find Vegas so that he can be the new king. Hmm. And that's the movie. I mean, he meets a kid, uh, who he, you know, in classic movie fashion, is like, "Get out of here, kid!" But like, feels bad for him and like yeah, kind of takes him in. Because mom was killed by mutants at the beginning. Yeah, mutants uh, or like raiders or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to tell. So, first of all. Just one thing that kind of bugged me right out of the gates was that the story, that plot, it was like, so you've got a king, right? Mm-hmm. King dies. Hard to believe there's no successors or there's nobody in this giant city, one of the last standing cities in America, just at hand that could be ruler. And even if I was to understand, like, okay, it's supposed to be this, like, fantastical, very sword-in-the-stone-esque, like, you know, it needs to be the right person. How the fuck? They don't explain how this guy knows that at all or why he think Like, it just seems so, it's so, like, loosely. I feel like if you didn't read a synopsis of the movie and you were just watching it, yeah. you would have no fucking clue that that was his goal at all for the whole thing. Because even when he goes to that weird bar, right. ruins in the middle of the desert, yeah, and somebody mentions the whole thing about the king, like it's not clear. At least to me, it wasn't clear that that it just seemed like it was just some guy wandering around the desert. Like it doesn't that, but like when you read the synopsis, it's like he must become king, and you're like, what the fuck are you talking? There's yeah. nothing in this that suggests that that's the case at all. Yeah, like it. It's so anyway. That, I mean, that's oh, a small thing. We, we can we, pick apart the plot of this for... We neglected to mention that he's being chased by death. Right. Like, yeah. yeah. The Reaper, I guess. Yeah. With the, he's got like a slash hat. <laughs> and like yeah. his also plays guitar and he's got like a crew of guys. So here's one note that I made that you might find this funny because I feel like it's kind of unusual for me because I normally talk so much about how I don't... This isn't really my thing. So before you do that, I just want to say that uh, I tried to do some research, couldn't find out a lot about the movie, mm -hmm. but uh, I know that the movie uh, began filming without a script <laughs> on a borrowed camera and some expired film stock. Kind of feels like it. And but 
changes my perspective a little bit, I guess. Found its way to a $2 million budget. Wow. So good for them. Yeah. That's impressive. Legitimately impressive, not being sarcastic. I mean, I would say it kind of shows like it was probably just somebody's kooky idea and they were just kind of like, yeah, this will be fun. Um, it's kind of hard though, without that context, you know, yeah. like just going into it to just, well, I mean, that kind of ties into why I, the thing that I liked about it, but you do, do you I was just going to say gonna... the one thing that I think would have made this movie slightly more hilarious or, or enjoyable or just like bearable. Right. And this is going to be a really morbid thing to say would have been like Tarantino level over the top violence. Yeah. Because the movie feels kind of like a movie that would have that, but be probably because of budget restrictions, the action scenes are like kind of lackluster. Like you see the action about to happen and then you don't really see the action. It's right. like they were trying to pay homage to like samurai films, but and Kung Fu and, stuff. and Kung Fu, but without actually showing those sequences. Yeah. And I don't mean like, I just want to see, but like the opportunity, you know what I mean? Like the bowling guys, you know, like when death cuts off, he's like, nice shoes. Well, not the bowling guy. Like he defeats the bowling guys and leaves and then death shows up and there's that other band that was supposed to kill him. Yeah. It was like Russian guys. Right. And he's just like, nice shoes. And then you just, he like takes out his katana and like swings the sword and you hear the sound effect and it just cuts to black. And like you hear it, like there's an opportunity there to do a, even if it was like really badly done because it was on a budget to have like, you know, the feet, like just have like, the sword like cut and then like these guys just like fall down and these feet in these shoes. Right. You know, like, you, you know, like a real like army of darkness, like the, the, the fountain of blood, you know, like that kind of thing. Um, I think it was just probably because of the overall vibe of the movie that made me think that just because I was like, fuck, it's, it's like a radioactive wasteland. You know, they're, they're suggesting that there's all these like freaks and there's like all these weirdos and, right. uh, you know, the sort of remnants of society, very Mad Max-esque. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Extremely Mad max and, and everybody's got like swords and slings and stuff like that. It just, you know, there's obviously, I just kind of like that. But feel everyone like, has a guitar too, for whatever yeah. reason. But even there, like it, it just really could have had like a, I don't know. It just seemed like that would go hand in hand with what I was watching, but it didn't, it didn't ever happen. So it was just kind of like, ugh. Well, I thought... Originally, I thought that they were going to battle each other with guitar solos or something. Mm. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, sh- sure. No, everybody but, just kind of plays music. Yeah, on the side. Oh, it should also be mentioned that this is a very, like, rockabilly, surf rock heavy movie. Like, yeah. Kind of like the, the modern punk version of the rockabilly, surf rock, sort yeah. of. But, like, not still also not, again, probably budget everything's been put into context for me now based on what you just told me about the making of this film. So now I find it hard to, you know, my criticisms ring kind of hollow, but yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know if it was the cop we were watching, but every shot, every shot felt extremely zoomed in. It felt very tight. Like they were like, we don't want people to know that we filmed this in a backyard. So let's like zoom in. Oh, they did it in the desert, Uncomfortably close. Well, there's lots of big desert vistas at certain points, but there's also lots of shots that are like the person's head is like going outside the edges of the screen as they're like talking. You're like, why is this so close? Yeah, it's it's very strange, but those aspects of the film are one of the reasons why I actually like it because it reminds me of like a trauma film. Yeah. Like if you've ever seen Toxic Avenger. Yeah, but, that, but even there, trauma films have that over-the-top gore sure factor. okay well and i was just like that's probably what i was thinking of when i was watching it i was like he's got a crazy sword and he just killed like 18 people <laughs> on the side of this post-apocalyptic road you'd think that they would have used the opportunity to show you know some heads go flying or something like that <laughs> so uh, the interesting thing though uh i mentioned trauma but what it really actually reminds me of is uh do you know who the vandals are yeah Okay, so Joe Escalante from the Vandals, uh, you know, he's, I think he started Kung Fu Records, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, he tried to do this, like, video, this TV show, basically, but it came out on VHS called Fear of a Punk Planet, and it's about him being a club owner and booking punk bands and, like, the, like, ridiculousness that ensues, and each episode, like, one episode's Lagwagon, one episode's uh, No Effects, and... 
whatever. But it's really just about these, you know, like the lazy bartender and like the the uh, waitress who wants to be a star. And it's kind of like a comedy TV show, but it was so low budget and shitty. But I loved it. <laughs> and this movie was just like spot on exactly that. You know, it, it, it was very clear that it was like a very DIY kind of um, uh, aesthetic. But it was kind of fun. At the same time, though, it was almost incoherent. Hmm. Like a lot of the scenes could have happened in any order and it wouldn't have mattered. Right. You know, like there was no progression. All it was, again, I mean, almost like Kubo, but with with less storyline and direction. It's just like. You know, we're headed in this direction. Lagwagon is here. Yeah. Here's the overall thing that's happening. And then just here's a bunch of shit. Well, no, I mean this, the, the uh, no, 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 I'm talking about the oh, you're talking Samurai. About Six Samurai. Where they're like walking in a, in a forward direction. Like, let's say they're in the Maybe, desert. Kind of. Yeah. Sure. But let's just say they're in the <laughs> desert starting at point A, they want to get to point B. Yeah. And along the way, they run into this, this, and this, but mm-hmm. like. The order in which they run into the things don't matter. Don't matter. Right. Because there's no progression. It's not like he learned something after the first one that he uses later on or whatever. It's just kind of like, here's an occurrence, here's an occurrence, here's an occurrence, here's an occurrence, and that's it. Mm. You know? So, but what's interesting is when I was doing the research, apparently the movie premiered at Slam Dance. I don't really know what that is, but um, it won prizes for best editing and best cinematography. Yeah, I see. Uh, well, that's something. I don't know really. No, so you know what else this immediately made me think of? Have you seen? Sorry, seen. Have you heard mm-hmm. My Chemical Romance's final full-length album? No. Danger Days: The True Lives of the Fabulous Killjoys. I have that. Which there was also a comic, comic book. book. Yeah. That was Eisen Warren Ellis and Warren Ellis was in the video music videos that they had mm-hmm. for it. Um, for those of you that are my comic romance fans, you probably already know this. For those of you who aren't, you probably don't. But Gerard Way is a huge comic book fan and currently writes several comics. I think he's currently writing uh, Doom Patrol. Okay. For fuck, what is the publisher? I cannot remember. Apologies. Apologies. Anyway. Um, he wrote Umbrella Academy. He, you know, he, so he's pretty, he's written some pretty well-received comic books. Um, obviously influenced a lot of their, their music. Cause there's a lot of music about horror and Westerns and zombies and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Sure. Um, their third album had skits throughout it. We'll call them skits where it was, uh, Danger Days was about it was like kind of a concept album about this group called the Killjoys that lived in basically a post-apocalyptic wasteland, mm-hmm. much like this or Tank Girl or Mad Max. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but there's a DJ, there's like a radio DJ who uh, opens the album and then punctuates some of the songs and then is at the closing of the album. Sure, who is basically like it's sort of like the idea that in you know in this post-apocalyptic future the only thing that exists is like radio you know like that's the only form of long-range communication can i ask you a silly question absolutely does this have anything to do with that tv show by the same name i don't know oh okay can i see it Uh, do you have it in front of you no no it could anyway yeah, I mean, full disclosure, I could be saying something totally ignorant that everybody else already knows, but what no, I... No, well, it's the, a Canadian TV show, so most people probably don't even know it. The connection I drew was that uh, the the radio host's name in the My Chemical Romance album is Dr. Death Defying. Yeah. And he's kind of like, it. you know, the album starts off with this static, and he's just like, uh, no, it's the begin- that first song there was their single, uh, which I think was just called Na Na Na, or Na 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 Na, or something like that. Yeah. And it starts with him saying, like, look alive, sunshine. And he's, like, ta- you know, he's basically just, like, broadcasting for all of the sort of, like, rebels and vagrants that are out there listening. And this movie had, like, the same thing. It was, like, there would be those black scenes throughout where there's just that radio host that we, I don't think we got to see. Okay. Do you remember this? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And he's kind of describing what's happening. Was, no, you know, we, we don't. We don't get to see him. So I was, like, fuck, did, this is, like, from 1998. And yeah. it's like pretty obscure. And I'm sure that this is a concept that's been used before. 
which is why I'm saying maybe there's something a more obvious reference that I'm missing, but I immediately was like, fucking did Gerard Way see this movie and just go, yo, guys, on our next album, you remember that movie Six Ring Samurai? Let's fucking well, have the idea for the radio host. Because like, does this movie have like a cult following? Like, yeah, I yeah. Never heard oh, yeah it oh, it has a huge cult following? I don't, okay. know, I don't know about huge, but it definitely has a cult following. There's, there's no question there. Gerard Way, if you're listening to this somehow, for some reason, I would love to know if... The inspiration for Dr. Death Defying came from the possibly unnamed, maybe I just don't remember him right now, radio uh, DJ uh, from Six Ring Samurai. Well, what's interesting is, uh, I mean, not, I mean, it makes sense when you think about it, but like there's references to the movie all over Fallout. Okay. Especially New Vegas, which, I mean, makes sense. of course. But um, yeah. Is there, a, is there a gang of bowling? The, the pin pals, a, ba- a gang of bowling. Uh, no, but there's an achievement uh, named after the movie, and there's movie posters and whatnot. Um, it's also referenced in uh, Three Kings. Really? Yeah. Like Three Kings, George Clooney, Mark Wahlberg, Ice Cube? Yeah. Spike Jones. Because uh, I fucking love that movie. It's, it's referenced in um, Gladiator, apparently. Ha- what? Yeah, I don't, or there's like an homage to it. Uh, Follow New Vegas, and that's it. it it's uh, that's pretty cool. According to this, it is a spoof. Um, by the way, I'm kind of looking at the history that I was looking at before. It is a spoof of Wizard of Oz, Clockwork Orange, Star Wars Episode Five, somehow. Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Uh, Escape from New York, Mad Max 2, E.T. the Extraterrestrial, Indiana Jones, et cetera, et cetera. That's a lot of films to be a spoof of. But yeah, I mean, as is the case with many of these films, the more we talk about it and the more films we watch, the more I'm like, yeah, okay. I just, you know, first first viewing, no Mm -hmm. research beforehand, I really, really struggled with. Well, really struggled with it. I was so, like, "Wow, this is like it's almost not." It's like if food if food fight was live action. Sure, the, the timing, the pacing, the dialogue, like the way that the, things happen, the talking. Like I was just like, "What is happening?" I love how like every piece of dialogue in the movie is ADR, and uh, for people who don't know what that is, it's, they they add it in afterwards. Yeah, they're not recording it as as they're filming the scene, and it's pretty obvious. It's very obvious. So, um, but there's something fun about it. I mean, I knew immediately that you wouldn't like this movie because <laughs> it's one of those like so bad it's good, or you know, type movies. But like, it's it's the epitome of that, right? Mm. And it's very clear that like if you are not the type, I mean, like I feel like Daryl could watch this movie and like laugh. Mm-hmm. You know, I did laugh at the part where the guy goes. Nice suit. That's a nice suit to die in. In that like crazy voice, I was just like, "What is?" There's also just going on weird <laughs> stuff where like he meets that guy in a bar and he's just like, "You should go home to your family," and then they leave the bar, right? And the guy's like, "I don't have a family," and he just like chases him with a sword. Like why? And then he just cuts him down, and the kid's just looking at him like, "What the fuck is going on here?" Or like that part where. But he's just like, I'm gonna leave this kid here with this family crazy of family. clearly crazy cannibals, and then when they're like gonna eat him, those fucking astronaut guys in astronaut suits show up, and the family is just like, oh shit, I hate those guys. And then like, it just like I don't you, know. You'd <laughs> think that the astronauts would come back at a point, yeah, or the part where the kid goes to hell, quote unquote. <laughs> And like the other kid who died in the beginning is somehow there with the arrow still in him. Yeah. And the movie is crazy. <laughs> right? And it's it's not good in the traditional sense of good. Like it, you have to go into this knowing that it's going to be bad and, and wanting to watch a bad movie. Like this would have been the epitome of the type of movie that I would want to have seen in university. Smoke a little weed. You know, watch this movie, laugh about it with your friends, but it's not the type of movie where you sit down and have a serious watch. That is for sure. Very disjointed. But did you find something that you liked about it? 
I like the last shot with the kid for some reason having stripped buddy buddy, buddy wearing those giant clothes walking towards the the city that I had got chuckle out of that just because it looked ridiculous um why did they want his guitar so bad you think I don't know it was legendary powers or something maybe okay I don't know so let's um use this time to talk about what is your favorite post-apocalyptic um not just movie i mean if it's a video game it's a video game if it's a book whatever it is what's your favorite post-apocalyptic story of which there are, i'm sure there are many i was not ready there's so many to choose from yeah this is gonna be a really obvious choice that i'll probably think of something else after but I was really, like most people, so entertained and blown away by Fury Road. Well, so I have a question about that because I asked that question kind of expecting you to say that for whatever reason. I just had a feeling that you would. Mm. Do you think it's because, you know, in, in like a cinemascape of like CGI, this, that, and the other thing, that like this movie was founded on almost practical fully effects. practical effects? That like, could have a large part to do with it? with it, but what I liked about this, what I liked about Fury Road was that when I when I was like young, I remember fixating on things that I wouldn't necessarily fixate on as an adult in uh, works of fiction, be they video games, TV shows, whatever. You know, like the whole reason that I would want to buy Jurassic Park trading cards when I was a kid was because I was right. hoping to get a card of like that one scene or like a card of Muldoon, you know, like for whatever reason, I think when you're young and you may not necessarily remember all the reasons why, but you latch on to certain things that, and they, they kind of have more of a life than when you view things as an adult, you know, mm-hmm. I think part of it is just from overexposure and maybe you're like jaded, but like, you know, when I watch, <clears throat> say, say when I watch Star Wars Force Awakens, and I'm like, wow, there's a lot of cool stuff in here, you know? Like, okay, Captain Captain Phasma or Phasma, cool. Uh, Poe Dameron's X-Wing, cool. But when I was a kid, I fucking would latch on to such specific things and there would be a whole world around that thing. Again, which is why, right. you know, toys, merchandising, I think part of why that works so well on kids, like I don't know if people really understand it or there's ever been a paper about it, but... You know, somebody gets so attached, you know, a kid gets so attached to their one car's toy or something like that. Right. So with Mad Max Fury Road, I felt that they somehow nailed having a bunch of really unique, you know, like there's the bullet farmers and there's the fucking, the the Razorback, like the, there's all these different tribes and there's like really different groups of characters that were all existing in this post-apocalyptic wasteland so at all times there was stuff that i was just excited to see more of so throughout the whole movie it was like oh they've entered a sort of a new and sort of a new environment Mm -hmm. i can't wait to see what occupies this environment in the same way that i just felt like all of those things individually would have been things that i would have been like yeah as a kid like oh fuck like that's so wicked the only thing that kind of takes me away from that movie and like it's sort of silly Mm-hmm. But the the movie takes place. I love that it's a one act film, mm-hmm. right? But I think it's silly that like half the movie them is them driving in one direction, you and mean the like other seven eighths of it. The, the other half is them driving back in that same dire- in the direction in which they just came. Yeah, could that be symbolism though? I it could be. I didn't have an answer. I just was putting that to you. Maybe there's a maybe there's a larger meaning there. Yeah, no, I'm, uh, I, I mean, I'm not, uh, it's possible. I just kind of like, I, 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 no, I didn't want more. I don't know. I do like the Tank Girl comic a lot. We talked about Tank Girl a little bit. I really enjoy Tank Girl. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not so much post-apocalyptic. I don't know if this even counts really, but the movie Risk Cutters, it's limbo. Here we go. So Back to speak. to the Risk Cutters. Yeah. But it feels post-apocalyptic, kind of, in the movie. Right. You know, I think that's kind of the nature of, I guess, the portrayal of Limbo. Mm-hmm. And I love that movie. So that's it. that one's kind of, feel has that feel. Right. I was so fucking excited for Terminator Salvation. 
and I did not like it. Actually, I kind of liked it when I saw it, but then I sat down uh, with a friend of mine, Scott Leeming, who was like, it was fucking garbage, basically. I don't know if that's, I might be paraphrasing. And I was hmm. like, no, nah, this wasn't so bad. And then he explained all the reasons why it was bad, and now I hate it. So shout out, Scott. <laughs> I, I liked it a lot. <laughs> really? I, I liked the Christian Bale one? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess compared to the other... It still just kind of ends at Terminator 2 for me because Terminator 2 is so great. And it's not post-apocalyptic either. I don't know. I keep getting off topic. I don't really know. Okay, well, I got another one for you because I, I suspected you were going to say... Um, Fury Road. Fury Road or Last of Us. Oh, yeah. See, I'm not even in the right headspace. Last of Us, hands down. Oh, there you go. Hands down, he says. Hands well, down. Did, it's, we, we've been talking about it so much because the Last of Us 2 Part 2 trailer just came out. Yeah. As of recording this, like a day ago. Yeah, yeah. And it got me so excited that I'm like, I played through that game like five times. I'm going to play through it two more times before this one comes out. Right. It was not even particularly, you know, original in, in terms of what it is about. But I, I would say that it, the, the originality, is, the gameplay is kind of lacks originality a little bit. But because the story is so good, you're like, fuck, who cares? I just meant like we've seen lots of stuff about zombies. We've seen lots of stuff about people in a zombie scenario like Walking Dead or 28 Days Later. This has a very 28 Days Later sort of feel to it. Mm -hmm. uh, we do get to see a little bit more of the world that we occupy because it takes place 20, 20 years after. But I just meant like, you know, even though they're not zombies technically, like it, it has all of the same sort of, you know, traveling groups of people. Some of the people are bad. Some of the people are good. And these are what the, like that stuff wasn't necessarily new, but it was yeah. just so shockingly refreshing to see a game with that much, like the production quality and the intent, like the story and the dot, like everything about it was no, like, we'd never seen a game like that really before it came out. Right. So, so incredibly realized. And it was, yeah, it was fucking great. Really, really really love that game the soundtrack is unreal it's unbelievable you know barring recommendations we should just queue up a last of us the last of us theme song right at the end of this uh episode well i i think my favorite post-apocalyptic uh sort of storyline although shout outs to attack on titan mm -hmm. because i really like that it was just a really weird what about trigun yeah. Remember Trigun? I mean, there's a lot of... Vash the Stampede. There's a lot of sweet animes that uh, that deserve a nod, but... Ergo Proxy. For me, my favorite uh, Snowpiercer. story... Snowpiercer is pretty good. Yeah. See, it, now I'm just... Is, fa is Fallout. All the Fallout games? No, no. One and two especially. The isometric, top-down, old-school PC games. Because, I mean, there's a lot of things that that game... Uh, brought into the forefront that, uh, I mean, still exists in the follow games now. It was the first game that I remember playing in which you could target people's body parts and it would do, not only do more damage if you hit them in the head or whatever, but like you could blow people's legs off. You could... Uh, like it was just, like Bushido Blade, but in a isometric yeah. post-apocalyptic RPG. And, uh, you know, pretty old by Very comparison. Old. Yeah. And there's also... Um, the idea of karma. And, uh, I mean, it was very much an RPG, no question. Uh, but, like, a sort of a tactical... I guess it, it's, like, Final Fantasy Tactics or one of those. Anyway, um, I liked it because was, it was the right amount of comedy and gore. And it kind of reminded me of, of you know, Six String Samurai or any of these other types of films that I used to... I mean, I never watched Six String Samurai. But I, even as a kid, was obsessed with Toxic Avenger. I don't know if you remember, but there was a Toxic Avenger cartoon uh, when we were kids. I think it was one or two seasons. And it's actually from that cartoon. I was like, oh, wait, there's a movie? And then I rented the movie and realized, oh, this is not for children. <laughs> yeah. And it, anyway, uh, yeah, I, I think that uh, it's kind of an obvious answer, but uh, nonetheless, great games. And I mean, the new, new ones are fantastic. But I feel like the old ones really did it first. Uh, true. You know what else is good? Oh, yeah. You know what else is good? What's that? That I like? Judge Dredd. 
Ooh. Yeah. Forgot about. See, now that we've got the conversation started, are we, are we talking about, about Dread or I, I am like the both law? Both of them, man. I fucking. I am the law. I I the new one with Carl uh, Urban. Yeah. I fucking really like that movie, actually. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just the uh, the raid. Yeah, it's the raid, but with Carl Urban and uh, I cannot remember her name. There was a lot of cool shit that happened in that movie, but like the f- the original. Uh, uh, Stallone, mm-hmm. yeah, Stallone. Like with the mutants and stuff. Like when he goes outside of the mega city, and oh, it's fucking sweet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a, I mean, the list. You know, I've never read the comic though. The list go on and on. No, me either. It was a 2000 AD. That's the name of the famous British that did all those, all those. Right. Excuse me, heralded. Because there, there's critically al- acclaimed comic books. There's also uh, things like uh, Escape from L.A., Escape from New York, that mm-hmm. type of shit. True. Would would Planet be in of there. the Apes? Planet of the Apes, of course, would be in there. Although you don't really find that out until the end of the first Spoiler one. Spoiler alert! Yeah, it's yeah. hard to. But yeah, I, good genre. Good Actually, kind of. You know what? Uh, this movie I feel like is very divisive, but I also really enjoyed Oblivion. Oh yeah, no, that's great. Is it post-apocalyptic? Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Is it? I don't. I just remember the whole like cloning thing and yeah. Spoiler alert: the the entire population of the Earth has been destroyed except for they. There was like a war with the people in space, like a colony oh. in space, air quotes that destroyed mm-hmm. most of the population. So they live in those stations that float up in the upper atmosphere, and they go. Make sure that everything's good, and then there's yeah. Morgan Freeman leading those band of like ravagers. Right, that live right. In the yeah, yeah, right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I gotta watch that one again. I liked it. I remember the design it. was so I mean, I, sick. I, I like Tom Cruise movies. I actually want to yeah. see Mission Impossible: The Mummy. What's that? Is that the, the new, new Tom Cruise new movie? Tom Cruise, new Tom Cruise movie. I kind of saw a preview for for it like. Coming up on my YouTube, and I was like, say "Jack Reacher, what the fuck is this? Are they rebooting the Mummy? Um, yeah. Is it a reboot though, or is it just like a, a story about a mummy? It is clearly the latter, but I had really thought it was a reboot of the Mummy. Yeah, uh, no, yeah, Jack Reacher, the new one, because I liked uh, the first Jack Reacher. The first Jack Reacher. I like the Mission Impossible movies. Yeah, I like other than two. Name me a bad uh, Tom Cruise Mission movie. Impossible two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whatever. That's like, I'm still on the fence about that. I could hey, still watch it. Hey, hey, But like, here I go now. Remember yeah. fucking the, the soundtrack? But uh, like, come on. Name me like a, an actual like stinker. You know? Risky Business is good. Jerry Maguire is good. Mm-hmm. Fucking. Vanilla Sky. Great movie. Love that movie. I mean, a lot of people will be like, oh, it's a cop out. No, it's fucking amazing. Yeah. Name a bad one. I mean, like, yeah, he did some crazy shit, and, like, maybe he's involved in Scientology and whatever, but, like, <laughs> does it, the guy doesn't make bad movies. Minority Report, Rain Man. I don't know what Night and Day is, though. I'll be honest. That's that Cameron Diaz one, right? Collateral. I didn't even mind Collateral. Jamie Collateral Fox. is sweet. Anyway, we're getting way off topic here, talking about Tom Cruise. I Did you see War of the Worlds? I did, yeah. Did you like that the one? theaters. I, I didn't see. I didn't it see was that. Okay, yeah, it was all right. I didn't see that. It was epic at the time, you know, big blockbuster. Again, one of those like big movies back before big movies were a dime a dozen. I'm gonna say, well, b- before they were as dime a dozen. I'm gonna say something that uh, white social justice warriors are gonna be very upset about. But I really, really liked The Last Samurai. Mm. A lot. I just don't remember it. I haven't watched it in so long. It was I saw amazing. it in theaters. It was amazing. Anyway. Uh, I think this is a part of the show where uh, we're finished rambling about something that's way <laughs> off topic and we yell more suggestions in your face. So uh, why don't you suggest something for us? Uh, okay. I'm going to suggest uh, another thing that's kind of been divisive, at least among people that I've talked to, the new Childish Gambino album. Oh, yeah. People are like, uh, some people are really not feeling it. I think that it's very strange and probably unexpected for fans of traditional Childish Gambino or even Donald Glover. Mm -hmm. But I think that also when you think about it, it makes a lot of sense 
that Donald Glover's new album would be like this. Just based, on, I mean, he's an incredibly talented person. So Don- talented. Did you finish Atlanta so far? By the no, way? I haven't finished it. Oh fuck, dude, it is so good. Okay, I'll finish it. So good. I'll finish it. I'll do it. But like, he's very. Ins- I am very inspired by. I just am always impressed by people that are talented in so many different areas. And even though I know it's not easy, they manage to execute in all of those areas. You know, Mm -hmm. like he's now a show, like he's created a show. He's a comedian. He's an actor. He's a musician. He does. And he does all of these things very well. Obviously, you know, he's had a couple roles that we might not like in the Martian. It was kind of like pandering to the Donald Gloveriness of, but all that being said yeah exactly all that being said this album is like sick i love it uh yeah it's i this the one single um me and your mama okay awesome i haven't heard the single i was just listening to random tracks off of it because i just heard that uh when it come out it's totally different it's like a soul it's like a soul funk kind of i this is kind of a lot indicative of a larger trend that i'm super on board with in that uh, a lot of rap music is really embracing evolving outside of what traditional rap music sounds like Mm -hmm. chance the rapper kendrick lamar even kanye's life of pablo um a lot of albums that have come out this year they like do not fit inside the traditional box of what did you see the article that i sent you earlier today no Ooh. Um, so apparently, Coloring Book is the first oh, yeah, I did see only that. album up for a Grammy. Yeah. And deservedly, so like that. It's incredible. Speaking of out of the box. Anyway, um, back to what you were saying. You know what I have in the car right now? Tell me. A possibly bootleg edition of Coloring Book on that may or may not be on vinyl. Oh, cool. Yeah. I'm not uh, selling I, it. I, I get, found it and bought it, but I'm pretty sure that they are trying to crack down on that hard. But you know what? It must be bootleg because it said it was streaming only. Anyway. Yeah. Go on. I was ju- I was kind of being tongue in cheek. Oh. Um, I know specifically after reading an interview that they had no plans to press any of the records, any of the Chance albums on records, but when asked why they weren't going to do that, given that the there's such a high demand mm-hmm. and such a crazy market for them online. Yeah. They're kind of like, oh, well, we're going to be looking into it, and I think by looking into it, they meant shutting down the people that are pressing these wherever they may be. <clears throat> they can't track down every single copy though, which is, I'm sure, very frustrating for them. How, how does that even happen? I will, you know what I would say right now though, like I love Chance's music so much, and I'm sure there's a lot of other aficionados out there. Like if they did an official release, I would buy it too. Like mm-hmm. I would, I like I, the only. This is this is your fault. <laughs> the only reason that I'm buying a bootleg is because there's no nothing else available. But who has the resources to make bootleg vinyls? That's so fucking crazy to me. Oh, well, if there's a market for it, there's a huge uh, so many rap albums, mixtapes, no, especially in the last couple of years with like the internet, people releasing shit for free. The internet? Yeah. No, I know. Uh, you know, there's they know there's a demand and they're, you know, sometimes going to second and third pressings for this stuff. Anyway, I don't know. Off topic, but Childish Gambino, uh, the new album is called Awaken My Love, I believe. Oof, I hope, I sure hope it is because, let me double check. Let me double check before we go so there's not egg on my face. The new album entitled... I don't know, whatever. Let's just say that it's called Awaken My Love because... Yeah, the one with like him on the cover wearing some weird silver shit and a blue face. Right? Uh, Is that him? I don't think that's him. It's like a black woman, I think, isn't it? Oh, is it a woman? Yeah. I think she's wearing like a traditional... Oh, yeah, you're right. It's a woman. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, check it out, guys. What do I know? Check it out. Uh, I think that's it. Do we know what we're going to do next time? Uh, yeah. But before we get to that, I uh, have a suggestion for the week. It's not so much a hidden gem, but a uh, kind of blast from the past. So as you know, I recently got a new computer so that I could run Oculus and do all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's rekindled my love for PC gaming. And 
As some people may or may not know, if they're familiar with PC gaming of the 90s, there's a game made by Valve called Counter-Strike. What a lot of people might not know, though, is it's still going. They're still updating it. It's in 4K now. Uh, It's online, tactical, first-person shooter. And it's not... I don't like first-person shooters, so I don't necessarily like... uh, I don't necessarily like uh, Call of Duty or mm-hmm. any of those other types of things. But TFC? What's that? You like TFC? Team Fortress? Yeah. Yeah, That's I don't mind I don't mind Team Fortress. I don't like uh Overwatch though, for example, cuz it's like run and gun. That's not technically a first person shooter though. Yeah, it is. It's a first person shooter, but it's one of those uh it's like League of Legends but first person. Kind of. What are you yeah. playing? Anyway, but <laughs> it's not it's not strategic. Like one good player can turn the tides. You know? Right. So, uh, but yeah, I started playing Counter Strike again. And for those of you who was like, who who might think, oh, well, you know, I played this in the early '90s or mid '90s or what have you, I suggest you get it again. Add me on Steam. Uh, my name is uh, the Crack Smoking Mayor, or just Crack Smoking Mayor, maybe. Um, oh. Well, yeah, this is before he died. I just hadn't changed it, but. Uh, yeah, crack smoking mayor. Add me. Uh, we'll play some Counter Strike. <laughs> okay. What are, what are, what are Toronto we represent. Next week? What are we uh, next week. Next week we are watching some Christmas movies. Yeah. Uh, Hidden Gem. The Hidden Gem. A it, very merry Christmas. Yes. Netflix original, I believe. A very merry Christmas. And the you gotta love it for the week is Fred Claus, brother it's, of Santa Claus. Yeah. Starring Vince Vaughn and Paul Giamatti, if I'm not mistaken. Indeed. All right. Well, until next week, uh, keep loving it. Keep loving it.
Thank you.